and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and this is the show that meets people who have lived a life and are still making sense of it all. And today we're adding to our little box set of Olympic gold winning athletes as we meet Jessica Ennis-Hill. It was the toughest time of my life because I, you know, I just wanted to spend all my time with my little baby and do everything right for him. But then I wanted him to see mummy working and going for medals. Yeah, it's the hardest thing. Jessica has done some amazing things. The ones you'll have seen are mostly on track and field, but coming up from having a baby and doing it all again. How did she do it? We'll find out. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And now, here's the show. Jessica Ennis-Hill, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. I love saying dame. (laughs) It's so strange. Is it strange? Yeah. People always say, you know, does everyone call you dame? And not really. It's just, it feels weird. I feel, yeah, strange. Well, (laughs) unbelievably deserved. So you should fling it around like no one's business. It's amazing. I've been long time fascinated with you because of what you've achieved and and how you've done it and being an athlete uh, and and being world class athlete in the heptathlon you're not going to be just world class at one thing but seven which is just you know as someone that likes running and doing exercise i can't fathom how you would be so acutely brilliant at, at so many things have you always been able to sort of focus on many different things in life and and spread yourself that thinly I think it's something that I've learned over time. So when I when I first started athletics, I kind of, you know, started off in the sprints. It was something I enjoyed. And then I very, you know, at a very early age fell into the heptathlon. And at the beginning, I absolutely hated it. I was like, yeah, I hated it. I kind of went into it very naively. And my coach was like, yeah, there's this event, the heptathlon. You just do a few events on this day, a few events on that day. It ends with 800. It's fine. And it actually is a really brutal event, and it's you don't so say. so hard. So before I knew it, I was I was in this event and um, not winning that much, not very successful across all of the events, and and just finding it really tough. So yeah, it took quite a bit of time to like understand all the events, master them all in in a reasonable way, and just start to enjoy and love the events. So what made you stick at it? Because I would imagine sort of thinking about how I would deal with that situation as a young person if I wasn't winning I'd think oh sod that I'm not doing it anymore what made you persevere and think actually this is worth putting in a bit of blood sweat and tears to to try and do well yeah I think you're right when you're a young child you kind of want everything instantly and I did very much I wanted to be successful straight away I wanted to be on the podium and I was nowhere near getting on the podium so it was hard and I had to learn to approach it in a different way. So know that it was a short-term like success. It was going to be a longer journey and it was hopefully going to be long-term success. And that was something that my coach instilled 
within me from a young age he would just say right okay we've got this plan it's you're not going to win medals maybe for like five years if not longer and I was like wow this is ages you know injuries happen and there's all these other things that take place so yeah I, I suppose I just had to trust in his plan and understand that it would be a process it would be a longer process and five years for a kid is like you might as well say in 200 years you know it's just it's it's a stupid amount of time for a kid so I I think that's remarkable that you thought actually I'm going to listen to this guy and I'm going to stick with it and I think it's really interesting what you just said about how as a kid but also I think in today's culture we all want results really quickly and because we get a lot of stuff quickly like there's 5g now so you can get even more speed on your phone or whatever everything's so quick and you can order something and it's with you that evening that actually there's something to really be said looking at your whole life rather than just like a shopping delivery that that weight is so valuable and worth it what have you sort of learned from that huge amount of patience you've had to sort of learn to to live with for your career I think it's about appreciating the journey that's what I've learned the most about is you do you know for many years I was a very impatient athlete and wanted things straight away and I had to learn that it is going to take time and trusting in a process and understanding that the journey that it takes to get to that point makes that end point what it is and so much sweeter. So it's just understanding that you are going to have these ups and downs and things aren't going to go to plan and you almost don't want to be at your best straight away. You want to have this journey to get there because when you are there, it is seriously incredible and you look back at what you had to do to achieve that. Yeah, I just think that's what we all need to take heed of is that sort of advice and also not to rush that journey and that experience I guess and enjoy it as you go and you know I'm sure there have been some excruciatingly tough parts to that like getting injured how have you dealt with that over the years having that I guess sort of inescapable dormancy from something that you love and I guess something that feels like a huge I was about to say hurdle, but that's the wrong word to use. Uh, it's a really appropriate word, but then it's confusing because we're not talking... But I mean, you know, it's sort of like something, a dead end, like blocking you from that goal of what you want to get. How do you, how do you deal with that? I think up until the point when I, I suffered a really bad injury in 2008 yeah. and that affected that whole year. You know, I was due to go to my first Olympics in Beijing and was all ready for that. And then I had this injury in my right foot and I had three stress fractures and up until that point I'd never really had too many injuries I almost felt a bit invincible like you know I can just keep training and get better and better it's you know I'm on an upward trajectory and actually at that point it was just like reality it was like you actually can get injured and this isn't guaranteed this is real and it can end like at any time and it made me just stop and appreciate what I'd achieved so far and it made me realize how much I really wanted it how much I wanted to get like right to the top and yeah I just had months of having to just step back and take my time and trust in my physios and my team to just support me back into full fitness and yeah it was it was like the toughest the toughest time and the biggest challenge that most sportsmen and women face in their careers and when you, you miss know, the Olympics you're like oh I've got wait four years I, I mean that's again an incredible amount of patience that you've had to sort of endure yeah. 
to then break it down though so you have to start focusing on shorter goals so I then just focused on okay I want to get to the indoor season I want to get to the world championships that year I want to get to the Barcelona to the European Championships and just you know make it a process a stepping stone to that big big goal again. Mm. To have that amount of drive to be world class at something do you think that is just how you're born it's inherently part of your makeup and your DNA or do you think actually it's perhaps collaborative if you have the right people around you or there's a bit of fate involved or is it a mixture I'm not sure yeah so I did a psychology degree so I'm massively interested in like nature nurture and what is the most powerful part and also I do believe that life is about luck you know I'd always say to my coach you know I feel really lucky because you know I was at an Olympics where it was a home Olympics I was 26 in like the peak of my career it was sunny the weather was great I felt good this is all you know this is luck this is luck playing a part and he'd be like well no but you've also trained really hard and you've done this and you've done that and I get that and I think a lot of it comes down to who you are you know genetically who I am and I think I I've always been a very determined person and you know if I set my mind to something I I want to do it and I just go 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 until I get there but equally if you don't put that into the right environment then you know it was never going to translate into a gold medal so I had those people around me my coach and my family and it's always that combination isn't it I think that's very generous of you to say because I think probably most of it is hard work on your part but but as you say you had this extraordinary year in 2012 which I mean we all loved we all felt so part of it and we all probably feel like we know you a bit more than we actually do because we watched so much of your journey throughout that summer for us it just seemed like the best year ever you know as you say the sun was shining and London kind of came to a standstill and all eyes were on the UK and it just felt completely bizarre and brilliant did it feel the same for you or was there sort of insurmountable amount of pressure that you had to also kind of juggle along with all the excitement as well yeah I think it was that feeling of firstly everyone was like oh London's got the Olympics we're wasting all this money and the traffic's going to be bad and it's going to rain and yes, everyone was like not bad I know it was really it wasn't even affected as far as I could see it was fine I know so everyone was really like doom and gloom but you know as an athlete you're just chipping away training trying to block everything out and then actually when it begun, it was just the most incredible time. And we as a team, we trained in Portugal and we did all our preparations out there. So we were almost in a bit of a bubble, didn't know what was happening as everything started, you know, beginning in the stadium and, and around the Olympic Park. And then when we flew in to London, it was just like, you know, you just see the swarms of everyone, like, going into the stadium. I went out for my first event, which was, like, half past nine in the morning, and the crowd, like, there was not a seat empty. Everyone was there. The flags shouted my name. It was just the best two days ever. I feel like I'm getting, like, goosebumps even imagining, because I remember watching it, and you just, it did just feel like a very beautiful moment for everyone involved, and especially as... Team GB did so incredibly. It was just a beautiful thing. How do you deal with that pressure? Because as you say, you've walked out, everyone's got a flag, you're in London, and all eyes are on you. And 
and it, there's that sort of weird, spooky silence when there, an event's about to start that always makes me feel like I'm going to vomit and like I'm in the race. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not in the race. I was actually <laughs> pregnant at the time, and I felt quite poorly. But I was laying on the sofa and I watched literally any event because it would take my mind off of feeling so nauseous. And there's that weird moment where everything goes quiet, and I just always I'm looking at that athlete thinking. How are they not blacked out? I think I'll just faint. Oh I'd go, God. oh, I'm yeah. out. I can't do this. <laughs> done. Like, are you aware of that when you're in that moment? Like, what is going through? Is it just sort of a blankness in your mind? Or, or are you, is there a mantra? Are you focusing on something? Yeah, I think the, the worst part is actually been out in the the warm-up track before so you're just anticipating what's going to mm. happen you're anticipating your warm-up and how you're feeling and just thinking have I actually woke up in a good frame of mind yeah. a good state there's so many little things that play a massive part in your performance and I was just remember feeling really nervous in the warm-up track and then actually when I got out into the stadium and I know what you mean that moment where it's all silent oh. is actually I felt really calm. Like I felt so calm because I just felt so ready. Like I'd never been more ready in my life. I had no injuries. I was in like the peak shape of my life. I I wasn't ill. I didn't wake up with a cold. I felt absolutely ready to do it. And I was actually just really thankful that I was stood on the line because I was so worried that I'd pick up an injury or something would go wrong. Mm. I was just like, I'm here. You're grateful to be here. And I'm ready to go. And yeah, obviously there's like 80,000 people in the stadium and um, I kind of went out and my coach was always say to me like through the whole of those two days, you've got 80,000 friends and they're all wishing uh. you to do well. And I was like, okay, just as a way to like kind of calm me and make me, yeah, just, just relax. But actually, you know, as an athlete to have a crowd like that is just the best. That's what gives you the adrenaline and yeah, gets you, gets you going. I think as soon as, you know, they ask for silence and they, you know, they get you to go on your marks and it's all quiet, I just started thinking about the same things that I think about before every race. I focus on, like, two technical things. I was just thinking about getting out of the blocks as hard as I can and just, like, getting my lead leg down, just smashing every hurdle. And, yeah, it just, it kind of just happened and it was a bit of a blur. And before I knew it, it was at the end of the finish line and I'd I'd won that race and run the best the fastest time that I'd ever run in my life <laughs> it's just insane it's so insane and when you reach that finish line and you know that you've done exceedingly well what what is that feeling but it's just surreal really I think you just know that what it's taken to get there you know how hard it's been and for everything just to come together in those two moments. You know, it's two days in your life where you need everything to to just come together and happen. And thankfully it did. So I just felt massive relief because I felt, I did feel a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation from everyone. It was like, you know, everyone thought if I'd come away without a gold medal, it was massive failure. You know, I had to win. And yeah, it's quite, quite a lot to deal with when you're, entering that kind of environment I can't imagine and, and and the thing that is peculiar is you know I think we're all um in this day and age so aware of this sort of perfectionism that everybody's trying to have in their lives whether it be a career the perfect family the perfect look the perfect whatever it might be or to feel perfectly happy like that and I don't I think we're sort of one of the first generations really dealing with that And a lot of people really struggle with that. And we're all kind of trying to find a middle ground of, you know, 
being content, but also accepting things in life. But in your career, it has to be perfect. There is no room for anything other than perfect if you want to be on the podium and you want to get a gold medal. So how do you deal with that in your everyday life? Knowing There is a part of your life, and, and at that time a huge part of your life, that had to be absolutely perfect. Yeah, I, I mean, it's tough because there's such small margins for error. And it's you're right, every event has to be spot on. You can't make the slightest mistake because if you do, then you know your score and your heptathlon has fallen apart. And all those months of training is gone in just literally like an instant. So yeah, as an athlete you strive for for massive perfection because if you if you don't then you're you're ultimately not gonna win. I don't know how you do it. I just don't <laughs> understand. I think, you know, in my career I like things to go well, but if I cock up a bit, it doesn't really matter so much. Don't really just I think people can they you sort of they see you as human and go, Oh right, you've made a mistake. But but Olympians, you're almost not human. You're like, you're an Olympian. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're the perfect human who does perfect things. And it's just that pressure is it unbelievable. Is, but it's, it's a relatively short amount of time, you know, within your life. So I retired at 30. Yeah. So I think if you put it into perspective that you're in this incredible position where you can, you know, you have the opportunity to have sport as your career and as your life, really you you know you take it with both hands because it's it's relatively short lived it's it's a short career and then you have the rest of your life to which is actually quite scary to turn and do something completely new and and something completely different where you don't have to be perfect but you have to adjust and adapt to a new way of life so well that's where you're at now so um so at what point did you sort of start contemplating retirement when did that first pop into your head so I I know I don't think you ever know when you're going to retire as a sports person, but after I had my son Reggie, I knew I wanted to come back into full-time athletics and I wanted to get back to one last Olympics. So in my head, I was thinking two more years, if I can do this, it would be incredible. Reggie would be a part of this massive like dream of mine and and then I could retire. So in those last two years, I was motivated by Reggie and wanting him to be part of that. And then also by the fact that this is short term, it's two years, and then I will retire and I can put all my energy, energy into Reggie and you know, future kids. Oh, I, I love that you do. I just think it's amazing. And, um, and, and pregnancy is such a humbling experience in so many ways. And physically, you were used to that sort of level of training and that perfection and where you could push your body to and then all of a sudden when you're pregnant you are completely out of control so how did you sort of navigate that one I mean it is just the unknown isn't it it's crazy and you know even though in my mind I was thinking yeah you know my tummy will get bigger I'll have the baby I'll just get back into training I'll put the baby (laughs) at the side it'll be fine oh my gosh you have no idea of how much your body changes physically but also mentally just you're just a different person and yeah I had to obviously adapt my training so I I didn't, it was all about training within a comfort zone, which I actually really enjoyed. It was nice to exercise at a lower level and just enjoy exercising just to keep fit. And then I had amazing people around me to support me back after I had Reggie. But it was the, it was the toughest time of my life because I, you know, I just wanted to spend all my time with my little baby and do everything right for him. But then I wanted him to see mummy working and going for medals. Yeah, it's the hardest thing. It is, and I and I love that you're 
being very honest about that because I, I mean I feel exactly the same I always feel absolutely you know sort of drowning in guilt when I go yeah. to work and all the sorts of things that I think most working mums feel mm. um and it's a hard one to get around but I love that part of your dream was to sort of show your your new son what you were capable of and and what he could therefore be capable of and I think that's an important thing to sort of remember for yourself but also for your family as well but it's tough it's a tough one it is and I'm so thankful that I can look back at that time in my life and know that I have no regrets I just I, I went for it and I did it and Reggie was a part of that whole thing you know he got to see mummy winning a world medal and an Olympic silver and it just it just makes it all worthwhile because at the time I I just felt so like, what am I doing? Am I, why am I even training? Like, I've won an Olympic gold medal. What am I doing? Why am I even doing this to myself for two more years? And then I was like, well, I'm doing this because I don't want to look back in five years' time and be like, you had the most incredible opportunity, unique opportunity that not many people get, and you didn't give it everything. Yeah, I mean, Reggie doesn't fully understand it, but hopefully... He can look at the pictures older, one day. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can tell yeah. him all the stories. I think that's such a beautiful, special yeah, thing for is. you guys as a family to have done. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And so, so after you'd given birth, how was that sort of first moment back when you knew you were changing from, because you know, there is that bit where you've just had the baby and you are so like, oh my God, you're exhausted, but also you're quite sort of comfortable in the fact that you can let it all hang out and you're just sort of eating whatever and going with it. But then you've got to switch it up, you know, in your career and go, right, now I'm back to getting my body ready for world-class athletics. I remember going for my first run and literally just peeing everywhere and thinking wait a minute I didn't used to do that what's happening there and you know I'm just going for a light 3k jog like you know how did you sort of start that that journey back to to getting your body where it was before so before I'd even given birth I hadn't really thought about all the you know the issues and things that you might face after pregnancy you know people don't really tell you all the details and the things that are going to change and the things that might happen and so I was kind of like in a way like blissfully unaware and because I had my physio with me she was just incredible and she put together all these exercises to do to help me strengthen all these core muscles and get my pelvic floor working again and build up back into training really slowly because otherwise I would have just absolutely been like oh like what's happened to my body I want to get it back I'm going to go run I'm going to go and you know start doing some dynamic things and it's just I feel really thankful that I had her to educate me and and help me back because your body has literally changed so much and you know it, it takes like a year for your body to fully like settle back to normal and it was that a sort of a huge amount of motivation for you to start this this app that you've now got going because I was looking through what what you want to achieve with it and and 
and the sort of ideas behind it. And I love the postnatal element and also the pregnancy exercise that you've got running through it. Can you talk us uh, through the, the ideas behind it and what you want people to sort of get from it? Yeah, so it was all kind of inspired by my own pregnancies. And obviously with Reggie, I did have all that support. I knew what to do. With Liv, I was retired and I was like, okay, I've got to do all this myself now. I've not got anyone telling me what to do. So obviously I reverted back to all the exercises that I did with Reggie that I trusted and that worked really well and I've got so many friends that are kind of like oh I didn't do this and I didn't do that and should I have done this I didn't know what exercises to do after I had my baby and I just sat down with my physio and I was like it'd be amazing to put it all into one space where we can just create a really easy process for pregnant ladies new mums to just follow the simple exercises and the right exercises to do at the right time and you know hopefully not have all these problems where you know you're wetting yourself or you're having back aches and you know all these issues that you come out of pregnancy with can be solved with you know the right exercises so yeah it's been like a long process of putting it all together but yeah I'm excited and, and hope that as many women take comfort and um, support in it I think they will because I, I, I think it is a confusing time I mean I barely exercised during either of my pregnancies just because I was so unsure and I didn't want to like damage the baby and I think you do feel extra paranoid about everything so I used to do like a little bit of swimming and go walking really but like you say after that postnatal bit again it's really confusing and I still have like issues with my hips now from giving birth and they still don't feel like they're quite back in the right place and I think actually having someone that really knows what they're talking about and to advise you is first of all really rare but but if you have it massively valuable because don't all women deserve to then just feel normal again afterwards yeah, exactly it shouldn't be dictated by have you got access to a physio have you got the money to pay for it have you got the time to do it most of the exercises are so simple to do and they take like hardly any time but I think the most important thing that I learned was that it's it's the doing the right ones in the right order yes. and not rushing yourself through the process of doing them and if you do get them right you know you can go on and win an olympic medal <laughs> <laughs> but no, the hard <laughs> sell guys the hard sell no no it's just it's you know you knit all those muscles back yeah. together and do these exercises because you're proofing your body for just life you know and then outside of the pregnancy and postnatal workouts you've got regular 20 minute workouts for you know because we none of us have any time these days for some reason and we want to get it done quick so how have you sort of developed those exercise plans so they're just workouts that I literally do like on a weekly basis and when I retired I was like I'm not doing circuits anymore I'm not doing hill runs I'm not doing this I'm not doing any of that hard work and actually those are all the sessions that make the biggest difference in a short amount of time so I kind of just like picked lots of different random circuits that I enjoyed doing while I was training and mix them around into shorter workouts so they're like 20 minutes 30 minutes is the longest and they just get you fit they get you working hard but you also feel like you've not been doing it for like an hour you can just like slot it in at, yeah exactly just slot it in at the end of the day or you know when the kids are having a nap if they still nap you know mm. that kind of thing oh I wish so, they still napped yeah you're well out of that I'm out of that and <laughs> um, how did you feel when um, when you were sort of contemplating retirement because I watched the Usain Bolt documentary which I absolutely loved and I remember him sort of having this like such a strong desire to just 
ditch all of this insane training that you guys have to do and go out and be with his friends and go to Rio Carnival and party and just like let loose. Did you sort of have that same desire or were you a little bit nervous about losing that very rigid structure that was such a huge part of your life? No, I was, I was, you absolutely feel like that. You've lived such a structured life and I love structure. I'm, you know, a massive believer in having routine and I like that. So I bring that to my life now, but everything has been so structured. Training is very repetitive and you have to work incredibly hard constantly. So when you retire, you literally just want to be like a normal person. You want to, you know, have the flexibility to go out and drink if you want to, or, you know, go to a last minute event that you can't normally go to because you have to say no to everything. So yeah, it's just a nice feeling to just to have that like sense of freedom. For you the still feel time. that now? You still feel that sort of liberation? A bit like when you finish your GCSEs and go, yeah. we're not going back there again. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly like that, yeah. I do, I mean, obviously I've got two kids, so I have to have like routine and structure. It's not as a wild like Rio party and like uh, Usain is. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's nice. It's just nice to have that. It doesn't have to fit around my training all the time. It's, it's kind of like we do what, what we want now as a family, which is great. Do, how do you um, sort of deal with not having those huge highs? Because especially after 2012, I mean, I can't imagine you've just been flying for months afterwards. How do you sort of come down from that? And then how do you now today deal with the fact that, you know, those huge highs probably won't be reached again in that way? Yeah, I think it's accepting it, isn't it? Because yeah. no those moments you know when I crossed the line after London and you know the world championship medals that I've won in the past it's it is like no other feeling and it's very hard to replicate that I still feel that nervous energy and that adrenaline when I watch other athletes compete now so I get to sit on the sidelines and talk about everyone competing I still feel that like buzz of I know how it feels when you've done that well but you know I've I've had a fantastic career and I've I've achieved more than I ever thought I would achieve so yeah, if I'm feeling like I need a, a pick-me-up, I'll just, um, yeah, put on some, like, YouTube videos of 2012. Make the kids watch it. Be like, look at mummy, look what she did. Oh, my God, too right. I think if I were you, I would have, like, just a TV with that on a roll the whole time, like a picture frame, just me crossing oh, the line. I mean, what a moment. How did you sort of, you know, as, as a group, because I'm imagining you forged some incredible friendships with your teammates during that time, you know, how did you all deal with coming down from that high? Because you, they were the only people that understood what you were going through. I'm sure that everybody around me, you, you was completely elated, but they can never really understand that feeling and what you're going through. Did you kind of, you know, gravitate towards your other teammates to kind of get through that bizarre situation? I think it's so individual. So like myself and Mo and Greg, obviously, we all won on that incredible night and we all had completely different experiences of winning and went off into our separate lives in a weird way we all trained in different areas and prepared in different ways and athletics is essentially uh, you know you it's individual it's it's just you so we kind of all went our different ways and and carried on life in a different kind of like on a different level so you know I mean most are competing and and Greg's like recently retired and we all had a different journey out of 2012 but equally like a massive connection and appreciation for how incredible that night was 
Oh, it was just the... But I can still remember, like, the feeling. It just... Everything felt a bit like it was Christmas in London. It was just gorgeous. Now that you have retired and that you're putting so much of your energy into this app, and I know that you've got other initiatives that are going on at the moment, do you still feel that need for perfection in these new areas of of your career and life now? I think it goes back to nature again, and I am that kind of person that if I do something I want to do it properly and you know with the app it's something that I've thought about for a while and it's really close to my heart you know I'm a mum and I think when you're in that mum world you just you're so passionate about other mums and their experiences as well it's not about being perfect with everything now because life real life isn't like that sport is but real life isn't and it's accepting that you know you just work hard and give it everything you can and you know if you do that and you've got to come away happy I think certainly having young kids just highlights that doesn't it that you know you can have the best laid plans and with two young kids in tow it was probably not going to happen and you exactly. just got to again accept it and I know you just go got to appreciate it. getting through those random days I think with having young kids every day is so different and it's a randomness and it's amazing but that's you know that's life and all those little things are the best things in life so I how think. old are your kids now Reggie's so Reggie's going to be five next month oh. and then uh, Liv's coming up to 21 months oh my god wow yeah so that's it's amazing. kind of busy with two it's just bonkers isn't it <laughs> I'm very fascinated in this sort of moment of extreme pressure that you've been under. And whenever I'm under like minuscule amounts of pressure, I know certain things will trigger me in a negative way. So if I've got a nerve-wracking job or I have to get up at a different time or whatever, I get really thrown by things. So say you've got an Olympic event or a world championship the next day. Can you sleep? Is that possible? It's so hard. Mm. It's so hard because you just want to know. I, I just remember laying in bed before those competitions just thinking, what's going to happen? I just want to know what's going to happen. It's that unknown. And you kind of, in your mind, you're thinking, right, I need to go to sleep because I need rest because I need to be fresh and like on my best form ever. But then at the same time, you just can't, it's really hard to switch your mind off and, you know, just stop yourself from thinking about all those different outcomes and putting the negativity out of your head. I think... One thing I always used to do before every heptathlon, the night before I'd, before I'd go, go to sleep, I'd think about every event and go through the most perfect performance. Nothing negative, just the perfect performance with every event. And then I'd finish picturing myself crossing the line and then try and go to sleep. So I'd leave that really positive thought in my mind before the next day. And yeah, that kind of helped put all that negativity out of my head and just ease I love that. Jessica, I am, that is my massive takeaway from this chat is I'm going to do that because that's why I usually don't sleep because I'm thinking, oh, what if this happens or what if I forget how to do the news on, when I'm doing the radio and I don't fade the microphone? I always think of the worst possible yeah, things. Yeah. But actually to have that discipline to imagine and manifest, because you're manifesting yeah. it, aren't you, yeah. of picturing the ideal outcome what a brilliant way to end one day and to shut off to then start another. We can all do that, even if we're not doing the Olympics the next day. Just do so it for easy. our everyday lives. Yeah, because negative thought is so... It just creeps into your mind and it just consumes everything. And particularly, you know, when I was performing, if I'd stand on the start line and think about, oh gosh, I don't want to fall over the hurdle, I don't want to fall over the hurdle. Nine times out of ten, I probably would fall over the hurdle because it's your mind is such a powerful thing and it affects you physically. It's putting all that negativity out of your mind which is often hard and you know 
putting all that positivity back in. And, and but you've tested it and it works. Like that, it you, definitely you're, works. You know, you're not yeah. lying. You're someone we've all seen that you've done it and it works. Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us need to do this. And I'm talking about myself massively, but there's lots of people out there list- who'll be listening to this thinking, oh my God, I need to do that. Because I think we go into many nerve wracking situations and it could be something that doesn't even seem that nerve wracking. I get nervous about weird, silly things, but then I'm quite calm in slightly more scary situations and it will be the same for everyone it'll be different um but I think we do sometimes enter those scenarios with a very negative imagined outcome we've almost re you know we've lived it all in a very sort of negative way before we've got there and then you're setting yourself up for a fall straight away exactly it's yeah I just think the how do we do that it's the appreciation for how powerful like our thoughts are and how they impact on the way we actually go about and perform and that can be taken like you say into every part of your life whatever you do Mm, I do think that sometimes I I think in my head oh um don't be cocky like imagining it all going well because then if it goes wrong you'll be disappointed but actually that's such a load of shit and we should just have that beautiful clarity of this is going to be this it doesn't have to be like you say it doesn't have to be cocky though like I'm very much when I'm performing and I'm out there competing I don't think about the end product I don't think about standing on the podium but it's you know to imagine your perfect day your perfect speech your perfect performance then that can only be a great thing to do and can only help you oh I like that I like that a lot (laughs) so once you've had that little imagined scenario in your head, could you then switch off and sleep? Because I, if if I have insomnia and then I've got a big show or something the next day, I feel horrific. Mm. Like I know I'm not going to be in my A game. I'm not going to, you know, think as quickly on my feet. I won't be able to string a sentence together, which is not ideal in my career. <laughs> and I just feel defeated before I start. So sleep feels like such a big one to me. And especially now I've got kids oh my God, what if they wake me up in the night? Or, you know, what if I can't get back to sleep once they've woken me up? And I think that sleep thing is so important if you've got a level of performance, physical or not, I don't think it matters, but a, a, some, you know, a performance of sorts the next day that you need to be on your game for. Yeah, and it plays on your mind. If you, mm. can't, if you just can't get to sleep, you just start thinking about how it's going to impact on the next day. And I think you're right. If I just think about that perfect process that perfect performance I feel like it's almost like a routine and once I've done that and it's quite hard sometimes because when you're imagining for example if I'm thinking about the hurdles I close my eyes and I start thinking about the perfect race then I'll end up like falling over a couple of times I'm like no I have to recorrect myself and then once I've gone through that routine it's almost like I can switch off then I feel like I've I've done it and then I can just fall asleep quite easily in between the two days is hard though because right. you've obviously competed and your adrenaline's adrenaline. pumping and it's either going well or it's not and then you've got to again try and get to sleep with all that excitement and that adrenaline adrenaline is, is has been such a huge part of of your career because you, you physically need it to to perform and do what you do have you got tried and tested techniques or or physical things that you can do to help bring those those adrenaline levels down and sort of calm yourself physically again? With me, it's been understanding adrenaline. So when I line up for a competition and whether it's the 200 metres, I get really, really nervous for the 200 metres and I'd have so much adrenaline and it was kind of understanding that when I feel like that and the the adrenaline's really high and my legs are like complete jelly, you know, when you feel like I can't even move, like how am I going to be able to run 
and function in a dynamic way when my legs are like shaking like jelly I had to almost like retrain my thoughts and tell myself that when I feel like that that means I am absolutely ready to go and as soon as that gun goes I'm I'm just gone like that mm. jelly feeling is a good feeling so it's almost like tricking your mind to say that mind games nerves nerves are good and you have to use that adrenaline and that nervous energy to you know to put it into your performance and and help you and how do you block out the other people around you because you've got the other people you're competing against are right there. And I think we can use this for, as a metaphor in all of our lives, that we've got people in our lives that we probably pay too much attention to and what they're achieving, what they're capable of, what they seem, what we assume about them as they're stood there on that start line. How do you, you know, negate that and just stay in your zone ready for your race? It is hard and it again it comes with experience and practice because it's so easy like you say in just general life to be so distracted by what they're doing over there look at their life and it's you know particularly with social media oh everything's perfect and great naturally it's it's put it into perspective for yourself and particularly in an athletics context you would always have to stand there and know that whatever I did I couldn't control or dictate anyone beside me what you know what they were about to do I couldn't control whether they were going to run a PB or not or whether they were going to win or not and you know my coach would just say literally don't even look at anyone and if you're too busy worrying about what they're doing then that's going to translate into a bad performance for you. And can you apply that to your everyday life like you know having someone coach you in that way for your career can you actually or do you naturally think, well, I don't really care what that person's doing, I'm not going to worry about it? Or is it much harder in your sort of everyday life to, to deal with that? I think it is harder in your everyday life because there are so many distractions and so many things going on all the time. But I do feel that I still take that same like mantra and the way I was within an athletics world into my normal life. And yeah, I just don't try not to get too wrapped up in, in everything else and what other people are doing because it's just a crazy world and it can be all consuming and it's just remembering that perspective and what's important in mm. life. It's hard, isn't it? Because we all think we know everything about everyone these days and, and it can really fog a lot of thought and, and what you believe. And actually, it's such a lesson to learn to just do what feels right to you and not worry about everyone yeah, else. And, it's, and the one thing that does worry me is how my children will see it how life will be when they're 13, 14, 15 and how they perceive social media, life and what everyone else is doing and how that affects them. And it's about making sure that they understand like reality and what's real and what's not. I know, isn't it scary? Like we've got, we've got little kids really, but you know, what is it going to be like when they're teenagers? I can't actually think about it. It freaks me out too much. It scares me so much. I can't think. It's just, <laughs> it's mad. But, you know, we'll just, we'll be there with them throughout the process and fine. communicate and all the things <laughs> that we know we've got to do. So at this point now in your life where you don't have to push your body to those extremes and and compete physically like that. What does exercise mean to you in, in an everyday sense? Before it was, it almost came a, became a bit of a chore, you know, where you feel you have to train, I have to do this because I'm working towards a championships. Whereas now it's like, oh, I've got 20 minutes to go and just enjoy a bit of exercise to actually not think about anything, to not be on my phone, to not be stressing. I can just like completely clear my head and 
just that buzz that you have when you've exercised, you know, I often feel like, oh, I'm tired. I don't know if I've got the energy to do it, you know, once the kids are in bed. But as soon as I've started and, you know, got into the full like workout, I just feel incredible after. I just have such an energy, like release and buzz. And yeah, I love that feeling. So do you say your sort of relationship with exercise has changed? Because as you say, like before it was all for, a purpose and an end goal but now it's much more about this is this makes me feel good and this is good for my head yeah because when I was training full-time I didn't really my mind was still going I was like well am I running fast enough have I hit my targets am I hurdling in the right way it was constantly still ticking over whereas now I you know I set up my mat in the in the living room and I do my circuits I don't have to think about anything I just think about training hard and just that buzz of of exercising now which I absolutely love that's so lovely that's so wonderful Jessica thank you Dame Jessica um (laughs) whenever I can I'll throw that in there thank you so much what a wonderful opportunity to you know having been someone that just loved watching the Olympics so much that 2012 London Olympics to sit and sort of ask you all the questions that I've been pondering since then a real treat so thank you so much oh thank you Oh, thank you so much, Jessica. You can download her app called Genis on the App Store or on Google Play. Do it now. You can catch up with all our Olympic gold-winning guests from Tom Daly, Dame Kelly Holmes to Victoria Pendleton when you subscribe. Just head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts and hit subscribe. And to find out who's on the show next week, find us on Instagram at happyplaceofficial. Thanks again to Jessica, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you for listening. We'll see you next week. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.